previously on Incredible Critics. Is it worth watching? Hmm. Tim, you go You go for that one first. I'll go first. As a fan of Star Trek, it is the Star Trek that is free right now. <laughs> and, so I, and so I will continue to watch it. We are the Incredible Critics. Incredible... Not because we're great. Well, I should really just speak for myself. Uh, joining me today is uh, Dan DeRogers, again for a bonus episode. Uh, we wanted to just take some time to, to catch up. And Dan, I figure that this will help you get out of a lot of uh, like coffee conversations where people are like, hey, let's go grab coffee. And you can just be like, hey, you should just go listen to this podcast and let me know if you have any other questions. Are you trying to pad your stats? Oh, absolutely. Well, good. Shameless yeah. self-promotion. <laughs> Which uh, was a course that you used to teach, so you should you know, know all about it. Um, uh, so Dan and I uh, met at the University of Valley Forge. I was a student. Dan was teaching at the time. Uh, Dan then started single-handedly, practically, the digital media program at Valley Forge, of which I joined as a faculty member shortly thereafter. Dan essentially like pulled like the the like. Uh, I'm like standing outside of a club and I'm like the bouncer's not letting me in and then like the mob boss walks up and it's like nah he's with me and then they let me in that was how I got my first job because I was how so underqualified and I, I got my job the same way yeah taking you along <laughs> for the ride <laughs> it's the best really um, and then Dan decided to leave the the lucrative and lustrous career of college professor hear the sarcasm in my voice yeah, um, for the equally lucrative and lustrous career of being a missionary. Um, is that, uh, that, that's safe to say that uh, it is even more dripping on that one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, what was that like going from Valley Forge to uh, you took a year, if I remember correctly to um, fundraise and then went to Spain yeah, we were about two years, actually, almost. It, oh, it was like eight, 18 months officially, but we, um, I left Valley Forge after graduation in May of 2014, and then we left for Spain in March of 2016. Wow. Um, so, it, you know, it was a, a really weird transition for me. Like, I, I like to call being a missionary like the world's longest job transition um, because you have what you did and you have what you're going to do but there's this whole piece in the middle where you just like talk about what you did and you talk about what you're going to do right but you don't actually do it um, and so that was a that was actually a really hard phase for me um, because I'm I was so used to having uh, a very fast pace, a lot of output, a lot of production, a lot of you know teaching and being involved in just lots of different things in the industry. And instead, uh, and it was good, I actually enjoyed what I had to do, but it was just hard not doing that and instead building relationships and raising funds and preaching in churches and doing all of these things. Would you say that you were friend raising? <laughs> I guess I was friend raising. <laughs> That's what we say to make ourselves feel better about what we do. Uh, but it, it actually was a really good, um, really good time for me to concentrate actually on relationships. You know, like I, I even thought about when people would come visit us for the, the visit days at Valley Forge. And I, I just remember I would 
always be running around doing something and never really had time to make those connections with people. And at that point, my whole job was making those connections. Right. Um, so it really was refreshing in a lot of ways, but from a professional perspective, it was, it was really difficult. And so then you went to Spain. Now at that point, did you just have uh, your first child? Or did you have your second as well? Piper was born about six months before we left to go to Spain. Wow. Um, yeah, she was born on she was born on like a Thursday, and the following Sunday we had her at a at a church service. It was a little wild. Wow. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So we we moved. Uh, we basically we sold or gave away everything that we owned, and packed up. 12 bins and four suitcases and moved to Madrid, essentially sight unseen. We didn't have a place to live. We didn't have a car. We knew a few people and we had some coworkers there. That sounds like Um, the start to a sitcom. Yeah, it was definitely more sit, less calm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, sit. You said sit. Okay. Got it. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, we we moved to Spain and with the expressed goal of accelerating the gospel through the power of media, and we did that uh, for that season with an organization called International Media Ministries, where we made short films, television shows, uh, short videos based uh, for distribution on the internet, all the way up to satellite broadcast. Um, and we made, a, I think, probably our, our biggest project that we did was we did a 50-minute uh, film. I would call it probably a medium-length film about Bathsheba. And that was essentially right after we got there, we were in language school. We were supposed to do language school for six months to a year. And we took a month off kind of right at the beginning part to do the principal photography for this film and then went back to school and, and finished up at the end of 2016 uh, before really starting full-time in that role. What do you think was the strangest part of being in Spain full-time? Oh, you know, not Spain is not a third-world country. Not even Right, close. right. There's not a lot that is wildly different about living in Spain, but Every single thing is a little bit different. Okay. So, like, I could go on for hours about all of the things that were a little bit different. and all, But all of those things add up to make sure. you be like, where am I? Like, I, I think probably one of the, the things that was hardest to get used to was, um, like, here, if I want to... If I need something, I either have a choice to go to the store to buy it or I go on Amazon and I order it and it's at my house tomorrow. And that's just that's just the way that it is. You know T- what I mean? Uh, Dan, tomorrow I have Prime now. It's here in two hours. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so or like, you know. You want it, you need to go to a store, so you Google it, and you know, or you go on Maps, and you're like, okay, they're open, and you know, you go over there or whatever. Spain, you never know. Like, 
you could Google a place and it would be like open now. And you're like, okay, well, I don't know if they carry what I need because I've never been there before, but I'm going to go. And you go and it's an abandoned warehouse. (laughs) Or like you call a place and you're like, are you open? And they're like, yeah, come on in. And you go there and they've closed for the afternoon. (laughs) Or you order something on Amazon and it's prime and you're like great because they're the prime it's not free two-day delivery it's free one-day delivery which is really awesome except you don't actually ever get it in one day (laughs) like i've ordered stuff on prime and i've waited like five days and then i get an email that says we actually don't have this so we're canceling (laughs) your order (laughs) so they uh oversell and under deliver Dude, it's un well and then the other thing is like even if it does ship the next day or like ship that you know that day or whatever to get it the next day, the chances of the mailman actually delivering it the next day <laughs> I'm telling you like eight percent. Oh man. It's terrible. <laughs> like e- even like among Europe, like one of the cool things is if they don't have it on like Amazon.es, you can buy it from the German store, the French store, the UK store. Most of them do not deliver to Spain. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. So while you're over there, you traveled a lot. What like, Do you have a comprehensive list of all the countries that you went to? I do not, but I can look at my calendar. <laughs> let's, let's go backwards. So I just, uh, I just got back from a trip that was uh, I started in Berlin and we followed the footsteps of Martin Luther basically so we went to like Wittenberg and saw the Wittenberg door you know at the castle church where and he then knit. Selma <laughs> uh, yes we, we somebody did on the first night of that tour he was like yeah I'm really looking forward to finding out more about the I have a dream speech <laughs> Uh, totally. So anyway, we, we went to like Airfort, Germany and um, a bunch of different cities and then ended up in Brussels. Um, the week before that, I actually was here in the States in Costa Mesa, uh, California. The week before that, I was in the south of Spain in Marbella at a um, like a conference that I, I – actually preached in spanish that was i felt like it was a final exam right (laughs) it was like my my first time and last time preaching in spanish by the way Um, uh one of the first like 10 episodes of media tech weekly a podcast that we used to do i tried to do the intro in spanish i want you to go back and rate my performance dude i remember that (laughs) i gotta go find that i will i have them all i'll go look i'll go back and look um let's see then I, I did a bunch of traveling in Spain uh, for some production scouting, Rotterdam, the Netherlands, Amsterdam, uh, Brussels, Serbia, went to Belgrade, Serbia, Vienna twice, and then I came back to the States a couple times. Wow. Uh, uh, Budapest, Croatia. Yeah, I traveled quite a bit when I was there. That's insane. Did you enjoy doing that much traveling? Because that seems excessive. It, you know, it was good when we actually, like, when I did it and what I did was good. Some of it was for production. Some of it was for training. Um, we did, like, an advisory trip. We hosted a symposium for 
um, some people who wanted to start a television station in Brussels. Um, yeah, I mean, the stuff that we did was really good, but it was hard being away from my family for sure. that long. And most of the trips were, I would say, at minimum, like four days. Oh, wow. And the, the, one of the things that was one of the, the kind of weird um, idiosyncrasies of our life there was that um, we had to get licenses, like get re-licensed to drive. And I did that in our first six months there. But Alicia was like, we decided to, I would get licensed first and then she would work on it. Uh-huh. So she basically couldn't drive for our whole time that we were there legally. Wow. Um, Does that so imply that she drove like, illegally? Uh, no, she did not. I, <laughs> she did not. <laughs> um, so she was basically stranded at home when I would leave. And that was really difficult as well. Yeah. So you had your third child while over there, correct? We did. We now, did. your first two were at Paoli or Phoenixville? I can't remember. They were both at Paoli Hospital Paoli. in PA. So I was going to ask, uh, would you have been more scared for delivering your first two children at Phoenixville or your third child in Spain? <laughs> That's awesome. That's the best question. <laughs> Definitely more scared to deliver at Phoenix. There's no question. Um, having okay, so I did. I personally did two of the hardest things of my life completely in Spanish, and Alicia did the hardest thing in her life all in Spanish. And like we are not fluent by any stretch, so doing anything in Spanish is really sort of a stretch. You know, like. I have a lot of respect for immigrants to the United States, especially people who, first of all, that are that don't speak. I have a lot of compassion for people who don't speak English. I have a lot of compassion for people who are or have learned English. It is, I mean, we learned Spanish. Spanish is not a hard language to learn, and it was so difficult to learn it as a second language and like to do government things and like the two hardest things that i had to do i got i bought a car a brand new car in spanish no english at all and didn't get taken and hopefully didn't do anything wrong or illegal um fingers crossed right yeah exactly what's i'm gone now so it doesn't matter (laughs) um and i got surgery in spanish on my eye. I, um, and then Alicia had a baby in Spanish. So like, these are big things to, to not have in some ways, not have a clue. It's not just about the language. It's about the procedure and the stuff. Right. Like you don't know how healthcare goes, you know, or what the expectations are. Um, but our experience having the baby in Spain was awesome. Oh, that's cool. The, the hospital was really great. Um, it literally took Alicia four minutes to have the baby, so that was cool. I mean, I think that says a lot more about her than it does, like, right. about, you know, the healthcare. But one of the weirdest things about healthcare in Spain is that you pay up front. So, like, before they would check Alicia into the hospital, I handed over my credit card, and they charged 4,500 euros to my credit card to have the baby. Oh, wow. Like, that was the price. And so that, like... It's liberating because they weren't like scanning her like wristband and scanning every bag of saline so that they could charge her for it and like right. $92 Tylenol and like all this kind of stuff. It was just the 
price was the price regardless of what happens. Wow. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, her windows opened in her room. We overlooked a courtyard. Like, it was really nice. I imagine, like, every building pretty much has windows that open up to courtyards. Is that true, or is that uh, just my imagination? Pretty much. <laughs> You're pretty accurate, actually. So your third child's now how old? I can't. I have a horrible memory with these things. She's four months old today. Wow. And so I saw now, well, let's go this way. So now you're back in the States and you're about to start a new job. Yes. I have been back in the States for like five days. Um, And we're we're actually mid-transition. So right now we're in Florida with my in-laws. Our uh, stuff is on a shipping container. It just arrived in Miami yesterday. Um, and it's going to be like loaded on a train or a truck or something and make its way to Springfield, Missouri, where we're going to be basing out of from here on out. Uh, So we're basically just waiting here, doing like working from here, waiting for our stuff to arrive. We already have an apartment. We're shopping for a new car or not a new new car, but we're shopping for a a minivan for our family. Um, And we're going to be basing with a new team working for the Europe region of Assemblies of God World Missions, and I'll be the media and communications coordinator for the region as a whole. So whereas before I was working with a ministry that was kind of doing um, like things that were relating to their ministry, you know, doing their own production, I'll be working with all of the ministries and missionaries that are throughout Europe. So about 400 different missionaries um, helping them use media more effectively for the gospel and then telling stories of what God is doing throughout that whole region. So how did that job like all come about? Oh, dude. (laughs) All right. We expected to be in Spain for the rest of our lives. It, it, I mean, we went all in, we learned the language, we got involved in a church, we were making friends and I just got a random email from my boss, from my ultimate like big boss, the regional director of the Europe region. And he just sent me that sort of this innocent email said, Hey man, wanted to catch up with you, see how you're doing and maybe talk about your future. And out of that conversation, um, he actually asked me, he said, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I just like told him like, man, I just, I want to help people tell their stories and, and use, storytelling to to bring awareness to to what is happening in europe and help people use the use media to bring the gospel to people and and he kind of took a deep breath he said well i can't like make you an offer right now but there's this opportunity that's kind of coming up and i haven't told you about it because i know that you're just really just getting settled in spain but let me just tell you what it's about and see if it might be something you might be interested in and it really feels like that job was made for me. Wow. Like it's it's marketing, it's communication, it's events, um, it's working with people, it's training. Um, so it really, it's ideal for us. That's awesome. Kinda, yeah, and we're kind of sad. We're actually really sad to leave Spain because we we definitely were enjoying it. We were, I mean, I know I've, I've talked about like some of the things that were difficult for us, but um 
we loved it. We had great friends that we were meeting in our church, and we had great coworkers. Um, we were finally getting into a rhythm, and Alicia almost got her license. She was just uh, finishing her last couple classes before she could take the, the on-the-road exam. And um, so this kind of came out of nowhere for us, but uh, we know that it's right, and we know that what we're going to be able to do is it's putting us in a position where I feel like I was created to be. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so we're just looking forward to getting started, you know? Yeah, I I was going to ask how the trip was coming from Spain over here with three children, but then I remembered that you didn't have to. Yeah, I kind of feel bad about that still. (laughs) You should probably feel awful. (laughs) Uh, Dude, so my wife, okay, well, okay, first of all, two, two things about this. Yeah, try to, try to justify all, this. Go I ahead. Know, try to justify I know. it. Oh, my gosh. So we were – okay. The timing of this whole thing was really a trick. And I had this trip to Costa Mesa that was already in the works before all of this came to be. And so Alicia said to me one day – I came home from work. She goes, hey, I have an idea, and I think it might be crazy, so tell me if I'm crazy. And she proposed to me wow. taking a transatlantic trip by herself with the kids. She said, I think it might be crazy. I know it'll be the longest day of my life, but then it'll be done and I'll be there. And I won't have to be alone in our house with everything packed up while you're out of the country. Okay, fair enough. Well, then we were able to work it out. My friend Luke came up with this idea. He's like, well, why doesn't Alicia, I had a a split trip. I was going Madrid to DFW and then on to LAX. He goes, why doesn't Alicia try to get on your flight to DFW? Brilliant idea, my friend. So we actually booked that trip. And then Hurricane Irma hit. Oh, no. (laughs) Totally messed up all of our plans. And so it was like hitting the eye of the storm was going to go over Lakeland on the day Alicia was supposed to arrive. So it just wasn't going to work out either either she was going to get stranded in dallas or she was going to have to stay in madrid so anyway thank god our travel agent was able to switch her ticket from a one-stop madrid dfw orlando to a non-stop madrid to boston so alicia could stay with my family for the week nice they did it at no charge two days before the flight Wow. wow yeah it was nuts um, so Alicia had a, a, actually a really great experience. No, nah, she, and, she told uh, you that, but yeah, she said Piper and Anna started to break down in the last like half an hour of the flight. Um, that's not bad. That's really not she, that bad. <laughs> she did it. And then she flew herself again, Hartford to Orlando with all three kids, uh, like two weeks ago. She's a champ. Yeah. That's impressive. And she still, she still likes me. <laughs> But she will now, she has that in her back pocket to use. Oh, dude, I'm going to (laughs) pay. I am going to pay. So now that you're back in the States, and we'll end on this, what's your uh, least favorite part and what's your favorite part of uh, being back in the States? And they can be super, like, uh, superficial if you want them to be. I think, like, when you're coming from, even when you're moving from another state, I think, or moving from another culture, there's this piece of you that kind of just like I went through culture shock and we went through some pretty extreme culture shock moving to Spain again, even though 
nothing was like wildly different. There still are just a lot of things that you have to get used to. And coming back, this is actually, I don't even know if I want to say this because it kind of, it sounds stupid and a little bit conceited, but like it's hard to be around people that like really don't understand what you've gone through. Oh, sure. And like really don't care what you've gone (laughs) through. (laughs) And that's okay. I don't, I don't need that, but like there's a lot that we're processing in coming back and I guess there's, I guess we're just like swimming around with those things in our head and it's not bad. We, this, this is a new season for us and we're excited about this new season. I'm not excited about leaving the amazing coffee of Europe or like a dude. Yeah. But I listen, I'm, I brought my espresso maker back with me. So come over my house and I will nice. make you real coffee. I, I was going to ask, now that you're back in the States, does that mean you're going to start up the uh, coffee bean roasting uh, again for purchase? I'm thinking about it. I, I got to take a little time, but I, I am thinking about it. Um, but the, the thing that's been like the best about coming back is Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> and you were worried about the other answer sounding conceited or superficial. Yeah. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. 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 All right, here, here's the thing. Like, I, I'm the more and, – and, like, I'll be still basically going back to Europe probably every two months. I, oh, wow. I don't know. I don't even know how long it'll be. But, like, I'll be going back and forth quite a lot um, and getting to know different, you know, different areas in, in Europe. But Spain was um, was sort of an anomaly – you know, like I said about, about like, you know, not getting Amazon packages and, um, you know, stuff not existing on a map and that kind of stuff and, like, just information not being accurate. I used Apple Pay for 95% of my transactions in Spain. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, huh. not just – yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not 95% of my credit card transactions, 95% of my transactions, that's, period. That's crazy. And like here where I'm at right now, Chick-fil-A and Wawa are the only two places I can use NFC. Yeah, I was going to say Apple like Pay. I only use Apple Pay when I forget my wallet and have to figure out some way to get gas. Right. And so it, that in that sense, incredible, technologically speaking. Um, so like there's stuff to get used to, you know, on that side too. Like I go to pay with my phone I'm like, oh. I can't do that here. Or you can do that there, but nobody's ever done it. So they're like, uh, hang on, let me get out the manual. Yes. Now, and that was in some cases, that was the way in Spain as well. Like I'd, I'd see the little NFC symbol and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to pay with my mobile. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. Technology. (laughs) Like, yeah, yes, it is. And you have it. It's yours. (laughs) Uh, oh, too funny. Well, it's awesome having you back in the States at some point when you're making your way through Baltimore or even Philly. Let us all know. I'm sure one of us would be love to catch up with you. Uh, but uh, this has been another episode of Incredible Critics. If you didn't like it, it was a bonus episode. Get over yourself. Get uh, over it. Uh, 
Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, find us on Twitter at Three Critics Pod and on uh, Facebook, Facebook slash Incredible, Facebook.com slash Incredible Critics. I don't think it'll work otherwise. Have a great weekend. Okay, the hype is real about Belgian waffles. All right, tell me more. This will go at the end of the episode. Okay, first of all, Belgian waffles. Okay, first of all, I drove by a place in rural Florida today that said Belgium waffles. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like not one of those things that someone puts in the letters. Like someone made the sign. (laughs) Secondly, any Belgian waffle that you have had is not a real Belgian waffle. I believe that. They are not made with batter. They are made with a ball of yeast dough. Oh. Okay. Okay. Secondly, Tell me more. this yeast dough has pearls of sugar throughout <laughs> oh my gosh. the dough. Okay. Third, when the waffles are made, said sugar caramelizes on the outside and melts a little bit on the inside creating this unbelievable texture that cannot be replicated third i don't even know if i've said three things it might be four no i think it's three um you like you'll see all these okay third waffles are one euro so like oh wow fourth you can get them with all kinds of toppings and Nutella and strawberries and whipped cream. Don't need it. Oh, wow. Do not need it. Anything, any weird things that we, like, that we, we wouldn't have seen? Um, no, pretty normal. Okay. Like, you can get ice cream on it, you know, nuts, fruit, that kind of stuff, bananas. Um, but that's, like, you are, like, probably most definitely a tourist if you're getting it with stuff on it because <laughs> – All you need is a waffle surrounded by a napkin. Go to town.